This episode of the regular podcast is brought to you by Better Homes and Gardens, the real estate firm for you. If you're in the Atlanta local area, your representative would be Karana Hosey. Her office number is 678-308-1790. If you're looking to get a home in Atlanta, hit her up. Let's get it. You know, the, the hustlers, the street hustlers were making more money than the rappers. And, uh, and I always had this love for rap, but it was almost like uh, I was embarrassed to really say how much, you know, I really wanted to do it. Because, you know, at the time, you know, we was the we were the guys and, and we rappers was almost frowned upon because we were pulling up in Lexus and Benzes and all that. And rappers was jumping out of uh, turtle tops and 12, you know, 12 of them. And, and we thought, man, these guys are working so hard and they're missing their sons and daughters first steps and being away from their families. And, they, you know, everybody else is making money but them. They know I'm the man that can't stand it. Shawty want to lick me like some candy. Half the bullets that you niggas must be randy. Caught these sipping sauce, dripping, leave a trail. When I walk off, I be annoyed when I pop off. Control the game like Chrissy Yo. We back for another episode of the regular podcast, man. The ship guy Kilo. That is Kilo Righteous. The righteous one, everything else you want to say. I have a I have a notepad. So let me get my notes together before, real quick, uh, which I should have had done already, but no, I just hit record on the track. How y'all been this week? Everything has been cool with me, you know. If I'm going in and out, it's cause I keep moving. I'm moving around, moving my head, but I probably should reposition my mic. I'll just reposition myself. All right. What's going on with y'all, man? Um, The week has been cool. It was a short week, I feel like. Oh, probably because I, I recorded on Tuesday and then put that thing out. A lot of people, not a lot of people, but a few people hit me up. You know, they seem pretty enthused about the podcast coming back. So we're going to see how that work out, man. For, it, it was strange. Uh, when I put that podcast out on Tuesday, most of the listens came from Japan. So I don't know um, who, who was over there listening. It's not like it was a whole lot, but the people that were listening in the last uh, seven days, it said Japan. So shout out to everybody in Japan listening, man. But shout out to everybody in America also because you know I got my my people here listening, and you know everything is everything is everything as Lauren Hill would say. On um this joint that she talked about, I mean on miseducation on here. All right, boom. So I'm gonna get into a couple. Really, I'm a, I'm gonna name this podcast today. You know why I'm here? Because y'all already know what time it is with me now. If y'all thought that I was like a fan of some of these other people I talked about, you were probably right. But my level of fanhood for this for the dynasty is different. You understand? So I'm gonna get into that, but I'm a I know that my fanhood is not matched by many other people. So I'm not even gonna go into it all crazy like I would. It might be crazy to some of y'all, but um to me it's not like I could have done. You know what I'm saying? This is really but the the magnitude of that album really, you know, it should have a five hour podcast today. But I'm not gonna do y'all like that because you know, I like y'all. So I'm going to kick it off with a story that I read about a guy, not even a, a young kid, 11-year-old boy, and he invented something. Now, I'm going to tell you, his name is Bishop Curry Jr., a kid from McKinney, Texas, and he's a black child, right? He invented a device that would allow, um, that would help prevent 
car death deaths. So you know how little kids will get left in the car, and uh, that like their parent will leave them in the car like babies, and then they'll die in the car from overheating. This eleven year old boy had a, a some like a six year old little kid down the street from him died from that. So I guess it made him think, you know what? I should invent something to stop that from happening, and he actually did, with the help of his father, his black father. I'm assuming his mother too, but they didn't put her name. They didn't say anything about her. Uh, his dad is a is a is an engineer named Bishop Curry Sr. He's an engineer in Texas um, at Toyota. So he works with Toyota. So the young boy, he made this device called the Oasis. And the Oasis is to be mounted on the um, headrest or the car seat. And what it will do is it will detect if there's a baby left in the car alone. And then it will um, alert the parent. It'll send text messages to the parent and it'll blow. So it'll let the parent know. Then it'll blow air on the child, like cool air, just air, period. It'll blow air on the child to hopefully keep them cool until the parent comes back and saves the child. Or, you know, hopefully, the, the you know, the, they come back and save them. So this is a good thing to me. You know, young black kid, his dad's an engineer, and his engineer father is encouraging him to be an inventor or be an innovator. And that's what he's doing. And Toyota, like the um, idea so much they flew um, the two Bishop Curry's <laughs> they flew them to uh, Michigan to a safety conference like a vehicle safety conference so I'm thinking that Toyota is about to get behind this young boy and they're about to make a lot of money because this Oasis device is uh, much needed I think they said last year like 800 and f 804 or some 805 people died from um, um, hot car death like babies so that's a that's a serious enough issue to actually care to have a device and it's little it's a small thing it looks like maybe like if you think about those little air fresheners that people stick on their walls the round ones you just stick it on the wall and it you know into the spell smell goes away it looks like that from what i saw so i think it's a good invention man shouts to the young boy you know the young guy the young king shouts to his dad you know they don't want to see us us raise our kid like that, you know, that's why they hate LeVar Ball. Now you got more guys that's not not outspoken. I wonder how much they'll talk about these kids, this guy and his kid. Uh, I'm drinking a lot. Of, I'm trying to drink a lot of water right now because I drank some magnesium citrate last night for anybody who knows what that is, but it will dehydrate you. And I'm dehydrated. I haven't eaten anything today because I'm trying my best to fast while I let my body clean itself out. Okay. Um, next thing I want to get into now, not really a good segue, but I don't really care because, you know, I'm just giving y'all the information. I guess they released the, the staff, um, the White House staff salary and some people have an issue with it. You know, I really, I mean, I don't really care. They all get overpaid if you ask me, but some people feel like Donald Trump, he, he, um, he's doing too much looking out for his friends. A lot of cronyism, as they say. So the payroll is approximately $36 million for 377 employees. Now, when you compare it to a Barack Obama, that's this year, 2017. When you compare it to Barack Obama, 2016 payroll, he had a $39.7 million payroll, but he had 472 employees. <clears throat> so almost he had 95 employees more than Donald Trump does. And what does that mean? That means that Donald Trump's employees get paid more. And people have an issue with that. 
Um, now that I look at it, well, it's not an issue what Trump is doing. The issue is they um, the amount of people that have max salaries in the White House right now. They're they're looking at it as Donald Trump gave a lot of his friends high um, high ranking jobs, or I don't even know if they rank high, but they're being paid a lot of money. So uh, Barack Obama had um, 40, em 40 employees making a max salary. Trump has 60. So that's 20 more people making a max salary. Max salary is up in the White House is like 150, 150,000 to 190,000 a year. That's all tax money, though. So think about 20 more people at around 150,000. That's a lot, millions of dollars, right? So um, the average employee in Trump's house makes 89,000 versus 73,000 from uh obama when i think about it it seems that if trump's people were doing the job correctly which i don't know if they are people i don't i don't know what they got going on in the white house right now if they were doing a job correctly trump's budget i mean trump's white house uh payroll makes more sense than obama's does you hire less people pay them more money that's efficiency you know you just take care of the people that you have more instead of hiring a whole bunch of people and like that the, it is weird that I saw because there's a chart I saw um, and they have they have three employees in the White House. Like this is Washington, D.C. This is not Youngstown, Ohio. They got three employees in the White House in Washington, D.C. during Obama's time and right now that make between zero and thirty thousand. Now, what type of they both have the same. So I'm assuming those three people are the same three people. What type of worker that is that's able to live in D.C.? making 30,000 a year. That's kind of disrespectful. But that's what they um that's what they're paying the, the those people. Hopefully those people get a raise, you know what I'm saying? Like they just added 20 people to the max salary list like and then they got three people making less than 30,000, man. In DC, they, it's not like they live in Atlanta. They live in one of the most expensive areas in the country. So that's some trash. But whatever though, man. Um I just want to tell y'all that because it was in the news and it's salary talking, it's money talking, you know. I like it. Now, um, the next thing that I want to tell you about, I really don't even know if I want to get into it too much. I told y'all before I was gonna do the um the, the quick cash course thing, but it didn't work out as much because I felt like some stuff was beyond like once you get past a few words, it's just not basic information anymore. And people really have to be interested in it. But right now I'll just tell you about um Hopefully everybody is thinking about some kind of way to invest. You know, it's not the 90s anymore. Everything is not as rough as it used to be. A lot of us have employment. A lot of us have stable employment. A lot of us have stable households. So you could take some of that extra money that you have and invest it in something. I suggest, you know what I'm saying, just put like a couple of dollars. You could do whatever. I don't know. Whatever's cool for you, a dollar a day. I don't know. In the stock market now i don't do a dollar a day i just i just invest when i feel like it but um when you get some disposable money income or just a couple dollars extra for whatever you can go in there and they have stocks that cost i mean 50 cents 10 cent stocks they, they call them penny stocks anything under three dollars you have they have different things that you can get into and you can just try to you don't have to really do it to for the purpose of um making a lot of money you can do it for the purpose of learning then when you get more money then you can get into it and try to um figure out how you can make more money with it a lot of people 
do live um, pretty well in retirement based off what they did in the stock market a long time ago. Like this is what Boyce Watkins is trying to teach. Dr. Boyce Watkins teaches a lot about um, getting into stocks. And then, um, yeah, it's just a good idea. This is the reason the reason black people fell off so hard during the um, the recession in 2008, the housing bubble, is because we only owned homes. We didn't have anything else. We didn't have any other assets. So when we lost our houses, that was it for us. Whereas white people, they lost their homes too, but they also had stocks. They had money in the stock market. So when the stock market came back up, their their value, their um, net worth went back up with it because they had stock money. We didn't have any. So that's the um, main issue that we had before. One thing we know about the stock market, the stock market will always come back. Even if it crashes and you have money in it, just keep it there. It'll come back. The reason you know it'll come back is because America is built around that shit. All of those companies that are public, publicly traded companies, America thrives based on the success of those companies. So that means as long as the American government is in power, as currently constructed, they will make sure that that stock market stabilizes itself. And it's called when it'll drop a little bit because right now it's doing extremely well. It'll drop a little bit. And that's that's called a correction. But that's normal. Don't run from like really somebody like me. I'm 26. So you got to think about if we're in our 20s, you need to be investing and holding like you put money in and you plan to keep it for 30 years, man. Don't think about taking it out right now. Like the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is an index with the top like 30 companies in, in the in the country that are publicly traded, they made 20, like 19% in just a year. Now, just think about it. If you had $1,000 in there and you just made $200 and it, you know, that, seem, that doesn't seem like a whole lot. But think about over a lifetime of 30 years, how much money that is compiling. All right. So just think about different things you can invest in or you can invest in yourself, too. So you can start your own business. But if you are not the type of person to start a business and you would rather work, nothing wrong with that. You can just invest in it. You have a 401k probably. So you invest anyway. So you might as well take charge of it. OK, now for to get into what I'm here for, like my my sole purpose today is to understand is for me to understand and for you to understand me. I want to understand things. And, I, you know, it, I, I planned on calling some people, but I really was going to go in like a phone book and just find random people, call them and say, hey, who was the GOAT? <laughs> like I was going to say, who's the best rapper ever? You know, and really what I was hoping was a lot of people was going to say uh, people other than Jay-Z. You know why? Because I was going to take all of that audio, put it on here and then argue with the shit, not let them talk back. Even though they wouldn't have been on the phone, I would have just been arguing what they said. Anyway, no, it's nothing to talk about. Hova's the GOAT. Okay, so he put his album out called 444. Now, I'm not, I'm, I don't know if we should read it as like how we should look at his album and just call it 444 or should we call it 4 minutes and 44 seconds? Should we call it 4 as 244? Like, because the dot dot is a, you know, that's the semicolon. We don't really, I mean, it's the colon. So, wait, semi, damn. I don't know which one. Is it the semicolon or the colon? I don't know, man. If I had if I had some help right now, I'd ask him, but whatever. I'm not in school anymore. But 444, that the way that that's written could mean a few different things. And I'm interested if he will do 
an interview explaining what that means. If he does an interview explaining this album, he got to do it on title. That's the only place to do it because his album came out only on title. I see a lot of you, um, a lot of slaves out there, man, illegally doing doing a men. But you know it is what it is, man. I guess y'all just saying f black business. But you know that's on y'all. I don't have nothing to do with that. I'm supporting black business. I had title long before this. Well, actually, I got title when Kanye West um, put out The Life of Pablo. I thought streaming was, um, before that, I thought streaming was not smart. But after I got it, I realized, yo, this is different. This is nothing like anything we ever had before. And I've been stuck on streaming ever since. I love it. I got access to everything. But um, let me let me see. So... This is what I want to do. I want to get into a few things. I'm not going to go into every single song. Really, I'm in good time right now. It's only I'm only 17 minutes in at this point. 16 minutes, 40, you know, set, what, 17 minutes almost. And I haven't even, and I don't have a lot to talk. All right, so I want to get into it right quick. Now, let's look at the numerology. Now, what do I, what do I mean when I say numerology? Numerology is just the study of numbers and how they relate to life, pretty much. So, now let's look at it. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a life path number. Okay. A life path number. The, the way you get, the way you calculate somebody's life path number is you take their um, birth date, like the month, date, year, and you add all of the numbers up. Now, you you, yeah, you just add all of the numbers up and um, you come up with a number. Now, every, every time... Um, Let's say you were born January 1st, 2010, right? That would be 112010. You would add all those numbers up so you'd get four. Oh, no, you get um, five. So you have one plus one plus two plus zero plus zero plus one. I mean, plus zero plus one plus zero. 2010, I just mixed all that up, but 2010. I mean, yeah. So one plus one plus two plus zero plus one plus zero that's five right that's how you do that's how you come up with these numbers okay um you you come up with these with this number and then you you will go look up and see what these things mean as it relates to your life path number now a lot of this stuff is you know spookified and all that mystified but it's legit if you ask me so let's get into it jay-z born december 12th uh, I mean, this, I said December, December 4th, 1969. That is 12, 4, 1, 9, 6, 9. When you add all those numbers together, you get 32. When you And then you have to, you come to your number, then you break it down, you add those again. So you get 32 and you, um, that's five, right? Because three plus two is five. Y'all understand that? The interesting thing that I find is Beyonce knows. Her birthday is September 4th. Um, her birthday is September 4th, and she was born in 1981. That's 941981. The interesting thing is they were born 11 years and 9 months apart. But they, Beyonce's number equals 32 again. You add all Beyonce's numbers up, you get 32, right? 94 plus um, 1981. So that's 10, 19. Okay, you get 32, which is 5. So they both have the same life path number, 5. Very interesting that people born that far apart and then they get married and they both have the same life path number. This is numerology. Five, the, the, um, the main things, the traits of five is like 
growth and improvement and being compassionate while you're growing and improving. So, you know, compassion is their thing. Um, now, 444 is the title of the album. And those numbers are important to Jay-Z and Beyonce. They always talk about the number four. It's because um, Jay-Z was born on the fourth day of his um, month, which is December. Beyonce was born on the fourth day of her month. They got married on the fourth month of the year on the fourth day. You know, so four is significant to those people. They have a number four tattooed on their finger. You know, um, the, they, the title track of the album is 444, right? Which is, okay, so it's a title track. It is the fifth track on the CD, right? That's their life path number. So 444 is the title track. It's four minutes, 44 seconds long. And it's the fifth song on the CD, which is their life path number. Now, I would say all of this was a coincidence. I don't think so. The five and the four, this is deliberate, if you ask me. Okay. This is deliberate, if you ask me. And you're on the podcast, so you're asking me. Now, let's get into the first song, Kill Jay-Z. Now, I'm not going to go into everything. Like I said, I'm just going to hit the key points because this is a great album. I could do five hours, but I'm not going to. I, the main thing I want to talk about with this song right here is um, what he said to Kanye West. Um, now... He, he, you know, Kanye went on, went on, um, went on his tour, the Pablo tour, whatever, and he like went on a rant about Jay Z. I'm not gonna put a clip in, of it in here, or maybe I am. I don't know if I how what my edit, but if you don't hear a clip, that means I didn't put it in there. So cool. Um, so Kanye went on his rant talking about, I know you got killers, don't have them, did it? But why can't the kids play together? Why won't they? And you know, um. Kanye, that's 100% cornball activity because Jay-Z is somebody that you know personally. You could have definitely hit him up. You ain't had to tell the whole world that Beyonce ain't messing with Kim K. And you know it's all Beyonce. You know, Beyonce is a Southern woman. So even though she's a superstar celebrity, most famous person on the planet, she was named the most powerful celebrity. Like, she's still a Southern woman. Yo, she's not about to have no random people playing with her kids. She's definitely not about to have a person like Kim Kardashian playing with her children. So that's just not happening. And Kanye, you're in the Kardashian family, so you can't play with Blue. I mean, your kids can't play with Blue Ivy because your kids are Kardashians. Like, no matter how you want to look at it, that black woman ain't having it. So, period. You you came out with college dropout. You gave us All Falls Down. You gave us Gold Digger. And then you went and married Kim K. So, nah, you can't. It's not happening. So, this is what Hove said. Hove get on the joint. Hove get on there and say... You got high on life. That shit drugged you. You walk around like you invincible. You dropped out of school. You lost all your principles. I know people backstabbed you. I felt bad too. But this fuck everybody attitude ain't natural. But you ain't a saint. This ain't kumbaya. But you got hurt because you did cool by yay. You gave him 20 million without blinking. He gave you 20, st- 20 minutes on the stage. Fuck is he thinking? Fuck, with it. fuck wrong with everybody. That's what you're saying. But if everybody crazy, you're the one that's insane. All right. It's funny about rap lyrics. Like, when you read them shits, they don't always rhyme for real. But the way that people say them make them kind of rhyme. But anyway, so clearly, um, Hov is saying, uh, Kanye, you losing your damn mind. If you you about to get up on stage. Like, uh, yo, listen. <laughs> Kanye, you losing your mind, bro. Um, You got high on life, man. Clearly, he's just, he walked. W- w- Kanye is the example of the sunken place. Like, the movie Get Out showed us a movie depiction of the sunken place. Kanye is 
the sunken place. Like, no, Tiger Woods really is the sunken place, but Kanye is in the sunken place, though. Like, Tiger is the um, poster child for the sunken place, but Kanye is, you know, he's he's approaching. Uh, You walk around like, oh, so you dropped out of school, you know, college dropout, first album. You lost all your principles, a little wordplay, something like I know people backstabbed y'all felt bad too. So this is Hove admitting like, yes, Kanye, you have been a victim of the bullshit going on. You know what I'm saying? And I seen it, but I, you know, I couldn't do nothing because you out here jumping out the window like a fool. And he's saying, but this fuck, cause you know, Hove been backstabbed too, but the way he maneuvered through this um, industry and is still able to prosper and still able to be black as hell. You know, it's hard. I, I can imagine that it's hard to be that pro black and be that successful in the industry like that. So, it, it kind of, um, Kanye started out being very pro, pro-black, then he started being, started to move away from it. He couldn't handle it, pretty much. But his fuck everybody attitude ain't natural. He told him, you ain't a saint. This ain't kumbaya. Meaning, Kanye, don't be getting up on, like, not saying he means this, but this is how I'm interpreting it. You getting up on stage telling everybody that, uh, you're not just a rapper, you are, um, you're the next Steve Jobs and Walt Disney and all these wild people. Yo, yo, listen, listen. We don't. You, you don't want to be those people. You're not a saint, and we not on. This is we. Listen, man. We're on our team. They are on their team. The reason you're having such a hard time, Kanye, is because you will never be on their team. You're not a saint. You can't bring everybody together. The same cute. You can bring the young people together. Matter of fact, but those people don't have any power. Now you can make the world better for your children. But you, the, with the the world that you're navigating right now, it's not nah, it's not what you keep on saying it is. Or you can't navigate it the way you have been. You know, Hove gave that man twenty million to go on his little tour, or he gave him twenty million for whatever he gave him twenty million for it without thinking. And then, and how you gonna get up on stage and pretty much diss me for twenty minutes? Like y'all, y'all hear stuff and be like, it's not a diss. No, if you get up on stage and tell people, oh, I know you got killers, but don't do this. Why my kids? Jay-Z ain't called me in it. Yo, you're dissing them. That's, that's just the end of that. Just like this right here, this is a diss. When you tell somebody they ain't a saint, if they think they are a saint, you tell them they ain't a saint, it's a diss. So, hey, you, you, he said you dropped out of school, you lost your principles. He meaning like, boy, you out your... I seen a video of Kanye West in the back of an SUV feeding some white man food. Come on, man. Like, I don't even know who the white, I think he was like a fashion designer or something. But Kanye was back there feeding him, like with the with the plate in his hand and the fork and all that. And he was putting the food in this man's mouth. So, yeah, when you say he dropped out, like, this is a diss, but, you know, it's a diss to a friend. So people are going to try to say, no, it's just a talk. Listen, he he had to get Kanye straight, man, because, yeah, you out here bugging, man. We love you, but you're tripping. Now, let's get into... The next song. Because that was all I really wanted to talk. All of these songs are hard. Like Jay-Z saying some good stuff on all of them. But I'm just going to get into a few. Like I said before. So I want to skip to the story of OJ. Now my uncle. See I didn't even think about it like this. My uncle. Uncle Tubby. He had a theory. He hit me up this morning. Like yo my uncle man. Hey uncle you burnt out cuz. You hit me up this morning. And... (laughs) You hit me with the theory. I said, yo, can you send me a link? Because, you know, I like to develop the theories. He he never even responded. So that's that. I'm about to just um, I'm just going to tell everybody what your theory is. To, uh, his theory is. The story of OJ is the greatest sub this in history about Kanye West. 
I said, whoa. I didn't even call him. I just like hurt. Like soon as he said it, I was like, damn, that makes sense. Because he, he made the song called The Story of OJ. Nothing about the song says anything about OJ except for the fact that the first line is uh, OJ say, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay. That's the only thing you say about OJ the whole time. The rest of it is like about pretty much somebody who think that they different because they got money pretty much. It's not really about that, but it's letting you know that no matter where you go, you still you still a nigga. And then he said that throughout the song. Rich nigga, dark nigga, tall nigga, like still nigga. He's telling you that. And it's like, damn, what if that was like cause now I'm thinking about it like that made me immediately go to um Kendrick Lamar's cause Kendrick Lamar's whole album is like a sub disc on I feel like I feel like it's a sub disc. So I don't look at this, I'm like, damn. The story of OJ, because it's clearly not about OJ, OJ Simpson. That's just a symbol, and that's just a cool title. It's a catchy title, but the song was nothing about OJ. You understand? So it's like, damn, that's a cold theory. And when I when I woke up this morning to uh, write out everything I wanted to say, I wasn't thinking about who this would apply to, which it applies to a lot of different people. You know, you got people like Jason Whitlock out here, this idiot nigga. You got people like Kanye out here. You got people like um like Tiger Woods. You have a few people that that fit that um fit what he's talking about. But for somebody like Jay Z to be talking about it, something that could be close to him, which would be Kanye, that could be that could have been the inspiration for a song like this. You understand? Because he probably look he probably been looking at Kanye for years. Like, bro, you is tripping. Like, you doing too much. And we know Jay Z don't deal. With, he don't he don't really like if you look at the people he has separated himself from, it's always been the people that do too much. Always. So it's like, yo, it's like, man, yo, if if, if my uncle was correct in, in his um, assumption that this is the, if this would be about Kanye or if this was inspired by what Kanye is doing, that would be, to me, one of the greatest sub disses ever. Like, for real. The story of OJ is crazy. So we talking about... um. I think a lot of people's favorite line from that song is, I'm trying to give you a million dollars worth of game for nine ninety nine. You know, that's a good, because that's 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 real right there. Because, you know, he went, he go and buy, um, he go and buy a painting worth he, for one million. People think he bougie. They don't know that he's investing because two years later, that painting is worth two million, right? That's a hundred percent return. Then three years later after that, it's worth eight million. So you just made 800% on something. Now, whether y'all think it's dumb or not to buy art, it's an investment. It don't matter. Then at the, then after he explains the painting situation, he says, I can't wait to get this shit to my children. So he's like, no, it's worth this much money, but that don't mean you go sell it. That means you hold it. That's This is how people build wealth in these other communities. They don't just be like, oh, I got this pack of whatever. I got a pack of diamonds. Oh, I know how much it's worth now. Let's sell it. No, what they do is, okay, they see what it's worth. And not just saying diamonds, but anything. They see what it's worth, these old paintings, these old cards, these old this old money, like souvenir type money. They might have uh, sculptures, anything. They keep and they pass it down in the family. This thing is worth. So, you know, when you have, when you possess an asset that's worth a certain amount of money, that gets counted with your worth, your net worth. Or if it's, it belongs to your family, your family's value, your family's net worth. So it's like, hovers give you the game. You know, like I said, this song um this song has a lot of 
a lot of um jewels in it has a whole lot of jewels in it he's he's definitely that's a theme of this album is black financial freedom which that's why i think um dr boyce Watkins, because he dr boyce uh did a video call and he said like congrats jay-z i'm a man i didn't watch the video but i imagine that he was praising this album because this is everything that he talks about all the time jay-z is preaching that financial literacy and preaching that financial um financial independence of black people he said what's better than one billionaire two especially when they got the same hue as you now that goes in line with um and Boyce Watkins and kind of with Yvette Carnell, because Yvette Carnell is of the mindset that you can't really if you if you're just the only one rich, <clears throat> then that means you're not really wealthy. To be wealthy, people around you have to be rich. So you get wealth when you have a collection of rich people. Collection of riches equals wealth. One single rich person in a community of poor people, it's not wealth. You're just rich. It's going to go away. Right. So that's um so when Jay Z said it was better than one billionaire two, especially when they got the same hue as you. So he he's you know, he's doing the financial literacy thing hard in his album. So a lot of people who who out here saying like this C D ain't really that good, I think it's just because I don't know what they're looking for, but when somebody is given this kind of game, you just gotta respect it for what it is, man. Cause this man is people yo, you gotta respect it for what it is. Let's go on to the and yeah, let's go on to the next oh and I was saying financial freedom is something that he was exploring in this album. That's another um, trait of the uh, the life path number five is freedom and the exploration of freedom and how to achieve different freedoms, which is that's where you got um, the Lemonade album. Also, Beyonce going into her emotional freedom. Right. She was exploring that pretty much the whole album. It was like being free from the emotions that were taking her down. So anyway. <clears throat> Speaking of Beyonce, let's move on to the song, the, the title track, 444, track number five. Now, between the story of OJ and 444, 444, there's fire. But you have to go listen to that, explore it. My favorite song on the album is Smile. That's number three. I think that's the best rapping on the album is on that song right there. All right, anyway, let's go to 444. Now, like, um, really, this song is, if, if you heard it, then you just pretty much know what it's about. It's just Jay-Z pretty much confirming everything that we thought from here when we heard Lemonade. Heard Lemonade, it was like, damn, Jay-Z cheated on Beyonce. That's crazy. And, and when you listen to this song, it's pretty much confirmed because he, he said a line like, what good is a menage a when you have a soulmate? It, oh, he said, um, the first, before that, he said, you did what with who? That means that's like Beyonce knowing, learning what he did and then saying, you did what with who? Like, Almost it sounds like he told her or something, <laughs> and like he told her trying to I don't know what he I don't know what how the situation could have happened, but he said like you did what with who? He also had another line in um in one of the songs that said uh said like I need to finish my breakfast. You add you egg Solange on. All you had to do was admit you was wrong. So it's seeming like the whole when people were saying that Solange was fighting him because he was cheating on Beyonce, like he was saying. If I would have just admitted that I was wrong, <laughs> that shit wouldn't happen like that. But yeah, back to four forty-four. Uh, yeah, so it's really about him admitting every not everything, but he's admitting that, and not just with Beyonce, he's just admitting his own faults. Period. When it comes to love, uh, emotion, sorry, intimate relationships, he's just you know he he's talking about more than just Beyonce in that song. If you listen to it, some of that stuff is like general about women that he's dealt with. Period. 
like what Shay told me was when he said the thing about the stillborns, he's talking about Rosario Dawson. I mean, I don't know that situation, but you, I could just definitely hear that he's talking about more than just Beyonce in there because some of that stuff seems like he's talking about my old self, what I was doing back in the day, like pre, you know, pre marriage and all that. Um, so yeah, that was that's a great song, man. It's a good um song of reflection. A lot of us can relate to it. A lot of us men who might have been doing some BS can relate to it. So yeah, man, that's a great song right there. And it's one of the songs that people are talking about more because of the tie to Lemonade. So uh yeah. Another thing I want to talk about, not that I really want I'm gonna just say it real quick. This dude is genius. He just got the gay community on his side, which is almost impossible for rappers to do these days because of some of the stuff they might have said in their past. But he um, admitted on his album that his mom is a lesbian. You know, he said the line, um, you're a lesbian, pretended so long you became a thesbian. Like he he put, uh, put his mom out to the world. I don't know if she was out in the open or not, but he put her out there to the world like that she was a lesbian, which is wild. <laughs> like for somebody to... It's just not that it's wild, but it's just crazy that somebody that old been been having to keep their sexuality to themselves for that long. Because if Jay-Z is 47, like imagine how old his mom is. And he got a bunch of siblings. So I think he's the youngest of all of them. So if his mom, if he's 47, his mom got to be like in her 70s, probably. I'm just guessing. She don't have to be, but I'm just guessing. I didn't look her age up, but like, damn. So Hove, Hove got the gay community on the side with that one, you know. Like admitting and then talking about how brave she was going through everything she was going through, trying to be strong just so that she wouldn't be. Well, she, she was um, having to hide because of the way society was treating gay people, I guess, when when she was growing up. So, yeah, that was that was um, an interesting take um, from Hove. The next song is Family Feud. It's a great song, man. I like this song. Now, the reason I think this song is so great mainly is the production of it. I don't know who produced it. But the beat making and the Beyonce vocals, man, listen, I love exclusivity. When you have a sample, first of all, it's a cheat code because that's his wife. But when you have a sample of something that nobody can get, nobody has access to, you have the best opportunity to make the, mo the fire, right? He has Beyonce vocals that have never been heard before in this sample. And then she's singing on it too, though. So she doing the amen thing, but the the sample is cold. Like, not that the, it's like a super sample, but the way they used it, and on top of the fact that it's a rare thing, because that's a one of one. You know, Jay Z do the one of one. This here is a one of one. That means none before, none to come. That was just hard. So on top of that, he's doing the, the um great rapping. Now, <laughs> I want I want everybody to know that when you hear that song, even though Beyonce is on it. It's not a song about Jay-Z and Beyonce and his children having feuds in their family. The song is cold because he has his wife on it, but he's talking about black people fighting within ourselves about dumb shit that just don't even make sense. The, the, the song is really, it's almost like it was prophetic because he's talking about us supporting black businesses. He's like, why would I drink Belvedere if Puff has Ciroc? You know what I'm saying? 
he and that's just one of the examples he gave. But he's pretty much saying like, yo, let's keep this money. I think that's the song where he said was better than one billionaire too, especially when they got the same hue as you. He's talking about black people supporting black people and black business and everything with that with that we do. Not even just business, but just supporting ourselves because we need to start building for real. Um, yo, he just dropped all kind of gems on that joint. You just have to listen to it. Um, Family Feud is a great song, and it's about black. Black people supporting black. And like I said, I know Boyce Watkins was in love with that joint. Now, the next and the final song that I want to get into. Final song that I want to get, song that I want to get into is the song called Moonlight. And the reason I want to get into it is because I think it's so clever that he would name that song Moonlight. Now, if you know that song, I think it's track, uh, let me see, I think it's track uh, eight. Track eight is Moonlight. Eight is Build and Destroy. Okay, so Moonlight. <clears throat> now the song is the song is titled that, but when you listen to the song, it's the Fuji La sample, and then in the song he's saying we stuck at La La Land, even when we win we gonna lose. Now think about that. La La Land is the name of the movie that was going up against the movie Moonlight. These two were the, were considered the best two movies at the last award cycle, right? So they were going up against each other. Moonlight won. But this song is clearly a song called La La Land. Jay-Z decided to title it Moonlight. Right? That's interesting to me. He said, even when we win, we going to lose. That's La La Land. You understand? We won the Oscar, but these people still probably got uh, vastly underpaid for that movie. It, it cost a little bit of money to make. The money, the movie didn't. Little money man. The movie didn't make that much money in theaters, and all of those white people are gonna go forward with their, the even the nomination, the other awards that they won, and they probably gonna make a lot more money in their career. So even when we win, we gonna lose because people only um, person only people that we really know from that movie, like we don't know Sharon, like the the main Sharon, the middle, the middle version. We don't really know his real name. We don't know the child Sharon's real uh real name. And we don't. We know Mahershala Ali. We know Janelle Monae. Those are the only two people we know from that movie. And and we're fan. I was a fan. I like that movie. That was a good movie. So we stuck in La La Land. Even when we win, we gonna lose. Like this is just a. To me, it was just a great concept for him to use that and then call it Moonlight. It's like yo. Like La La Land. Even when we win, we gonna lose. I'm still gonna. Moonlight beat La La Land again. As far as being the title name, excuse me, the song um, title name. So, yeah, man, Hope Ho is holding it down. That was the last joint. That was the last joint I wanted to give it to. But I wanted to talk about a line he said, though. <clears throat> he has a line that said, and I think it's a good line because it's like, it, when you listen to this music, it's more about, it's more than just listening to be entertained because there's stuff in there. Like, people talk about rappers all the time, like, uh, like they just ain't shit and they just, promoting bs and all that which a lot of times they do and sometimes jay-z did but the main when i was a kid growing up the main thing that i got uh that i learned from listening to jay-z music my favorite like my favorite one of my favorite lines from him was always i'm not a business man i'm a business man that's one of my favorite lines from him because it's about it's about the hustle and the grind that you do or whatever like i never stop i'm trying to become a business you know, even though I have a job now, I'm still I'm still have things that I want to get out there, goals that I want to make happen. That's what I took from Jay Z. 
what I'm saying? I didn't take, okay, Jay-Z just did this. He came into this mother F 100 grand strong, nine to be exact, from grinding G-Packs. Grinding I didn't say, let me go do that. I said, let me do what I do and try to be as successful as I could be. But I still use that as inspiration. So the line that he said was, would you rather be old rich me or new you? Now, just think about that. A lot of people don't don't care about where they're going, probably because they aren't going anywhere. But they would just take the option of being the rich him. The, even though the old rich him, you don't know what he had going on. You don't know what kind of what kind of um, negativity he was carrying around. You don't know what kind of karma he had with him. But a lot of people would just choose that. Now, some people might think, oh, nah, you lying. You would you would choose to be the old rich him. Like if if you chose to be the old rich him. Then you would be out there trying to rap and sell drugs. But being that a lot of y'all ain't doing that, you have a job. That means you, you're you not even choosing to do that because he told you everything that he did. You can just go do it if you choose to be the old rich him. It's just not going to work out because it doesn't work out for most people. It only worked out for him. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not often that people who are considered drug dealers get to. Like go on and travel the world and make mil hundreds of millions of dollars and marry a hundred millionaire and have um, you know, have kids and go open up corporate businesses and all this other shit and never go to prison for a long time for it. Never get shot, been shot at, shoot back. Got to keep the peace like a Buddhist, you know. But you, it's it's rare. It's so rare that it's never happened. <laughs> like he's the only one. Like that's that's a one of one in any. Look at any drug. There's no, it just hasn't happened. All right. So he's the only one. So if you would choose to be the old rich him, you're just crazy. You shouldn't want to take on anybody else's karma anyway, man. Karma is more serious than anything in this physical, in the physical realm. Like you effort. Well, I'm not going to tell you what you should do. You go do what you want to do. I'm just letting you know. He said, would you rather be the old rich me or new you? I'd rather be the new me. I like the path I'm on. I feel like I can make things happen with the path that I'm on. If I go be somebody else, that might not work out so well. I've never seen something really work out with somebody going to be somebody else. Normally doesn't work. Okay. Normally does not work. I am coming up on the end. I just want to talk about one more thing, man. Um, A lot of people being... A lot of people are like, I feel overhyped about this No ID situation because No ID, he produced all of the songs on this album, 444. No ID is a producer. I don't know anything about him. I just know he's a producer, right? So um, it's interesting to me that in rap, like rap is so, the reason I don't think rap gets a lot of respect is because it's so cheap. It's cheaply made because of the fact that um, it's too much ego in rap now it's when i say like rap is like crack it's like the cheapest of all the forms of music that's why it doesn't make as much money that's why people say there's no money in rap you ain't never heard nobody say there's no money in pop you never heard nobody say there's no money in country there's no money in rock there's no money in all these other things you know why it's because those people actually spend real resources to make the best music in rap and I'm not saying I don't like rap. I love rap. It's my favorite genre. But Or maybe jazz might be my favorite. But I'm saying I love rap, though. I'm a, I grew up in rap. Rap has been around my whole life. What I'm saying is rap is cheaply made. It's it's like um, it's so much about the ego. So rappers as themselves, they don't want to uh, 
They don't want to spend the resources. They don't want to get the best collection of people together to make the song the best song. They just want to tell the story that they want to tell. And they want you to sit and listen to them. So whereas other genres, they come with a collection of people that write the music. They come with a collection of people that help perform it. And then the main performer will perform the song. And it's all about relatability. Right. In rap, it's all about non-relational. You know, it's all about telling people how much that you do that they cannot do. And I don't know if it's about that, but that's what it is. That's what people do. Rap might not be about that, but that's the hip hop industry, not the hip hop culture, but the hip hop industry is all about rappers telling you everything that they can do and that you cannot or that you have never done that they have done or that they do normally that they haven't done. Remember the Big Sean line? You make 25 a year. I make 25 a night. That's real. That's what rap is today. And that makes it cheap because you don't want to relate to people. So you don't care to get the best people around. This is why Drake has excelled the way he excelled, because he uses teams of people. When you have a team of people, I'm not saying that you shouldn't write your own stuff, but I'm saying like as far as producing, these dudes are not producing anything. They're calling themselves producers with their beat makers. So I'm like, I'm listening to no ID stuff. And I'm like, this is sampled music. Like, I don't have a problem. Samples, they sound good, but it's samples. So it's really like he got a couple drums. He went in and took a couple um, snares off some records. And then he got some voices. That's the Anybody who's ever made a beat, you know that that's the easiest way to make a beat. When you got a, a song that somebody had already perfected, you got to think about this music that they took it from, like the Nina Simone joint, which is Smile. They t you take a Nina Simone song, it has already been mastered, perfected, performed, written. It's already been produced to perfection you just took a song that was already made to perfection and just chopped it up and made a beat with it so of course the song is going to be good the song is going to be good but you didn't produce that you just made the beat really the rappers are the real producers these days they're the ones coming through like hey do this to my voice hey i want i want these verses to be like this hey, i want the chorus to sound like this hey i want this to, like the rappers are the producers these days but the beat makers are being credited with that I have a hard time believing that No ID sat in the studio and told Hov, "All right, this is how we're gonna do it. Okay, I'm gonna have him. I'm gonna have him write the hook. I'm gonna have him write this part. And Jay, I want you to. Um, okay, let me hear what you got, Jay. Okay, cool. I want you to say it like that. Say it right here. Somebody like Dr. Dre is a producer. When you hear people talk about Dr. Dre, they say they they hate being in the studio with him because he's a perfectionist. He'll make them keep doing it. He'll tell them to say things like this. He'll tell them where to say it. That's a product. That's production." When you see Diddy on making a band, that's production. Now, he's a producer. Diddy never made beats. If you see Khaled, Khaled don't make no beats. He's a producer. These people are producers. Like uh, um, Dre just happens to be a producer that makes beats. You understand? Like I can't imagine. I can't imagine being uh, like Fat Joe being in the studio with Scott Storch, and Scott Storch is telling him where to say everything and how he want to do the voices and all that. Scott Storch is a beat maker, a great beat maker, but he's a beat maker. I think Pharrell is a producer. I've never seen him in the studio, but I feel like he's a producer. I feel like Kanye is a producer. He comes into a situation with a concept. He'll say, I have this. This is how I want it to sound. Say it like this. When you hear Jamie Foxx tell the story of how they made slow jams, that's production. Kanye said, no, don't sing it like that. Kanye is not a singer, but he's a producer, so he can direct the singer on what to do. He said, no, don't sing it. Sing it the way I'm singing it. And he and he did it and they kind of hit. That's production to me. 
Well, that's not just production to me. That's production, period. And rap does not have that for real because rap is all about I. It's all about listen to me. Tell me you tell you about everything I can do that you can't do. And one thing about it, we need that back. And this album doesn't have that. I could tell Jay-Z did all of this by itself and not all of it by itself because there was a beat maker. The beat maker did do it, but they have the engineers names on, you know, Guru. He was the engineer on on a few of these things. Um, A guy named like Jerome something like. You know, they got engineers. There was a team, but it's more like the team was like people who turning knobs and stuff like that. Jay-Z's just doing what he feel like doing. Like, I want this to sound like Jay-Z's the producer of this shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't care who they title this stuff with. And I just wish rap wasn't so cheap in that way. When you think about some of the best songs of all time, like just the best songs period of all time, they're not going to be rap songs. They're going to be songs where, where it took like a massive effort. To put it together <laughs> Like you know what I'm saying Like we are the world You know what I mean The Stevie Wonder Isn't she lovely Isn't she wonderful When you think about the best songs Whitney Houston And I I will always love you These songs Now Don't mind my singing But what I'm saying is These songs that we would consider Some of the best songs ever Are not just a, uh, The performer going in the studio Writing something While somebody make the beat And then they just sing it Or rap or, You know what I'm saying It's not like that Frank Sinatra, come fly with me. Or oh, I did it my way. Come on, man. These songs, like, like, come on, yo. It's just don't, it doesn't happen like that. Rihanna, Diamonds, Shine Bright, like a diamond. These songs are not one person effort. You can't just go in a studio by yourself and, and just, listen, and rap, if we want rap to not be so cheap, if we want rappers to start making more money, Rappers have to get teams, man. They need teamwork. We already know these dudes are lyricists. We know that. We want to hear their story, but we also want them to make money and we want them to to have better music. Like I I like Sonic. I like euphonic sounds. You understand? I'm not just like cuz I think listen. I like euphony. Okay. Or however you pronounce it, euphony, euphonic sounds. I love it. That's my thing. I like sounds. I love lyrics, but I mean, we know you can rap, all right? You display your rapping sometimes, but sometimes you need to let this team put the best music together. The lyrics, that's just one aspect of it. We need the production to be right. You can't just write a great script and then the, the rest of the movie is just basic. You, know what I'm you can't write a great script and then record it on an iPhone. That's just not how we're doing it, but that's how rap is done. You understand? They just like dudes brag like, yeah, I recorded this in my closet. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, you, that's not like you're trying to bra- brag about that. Yeah, I recorded this in my closet. And then you wonder why people say, oh, ain't no money in rap. There's no money in rap because people recording albums in their closet. Oh, where'd you record this at? Oh, I recorded this in a Toyota uh, in a Toyota Prius. Like, dudes is just saying wild stuff. Like, And then and then trying to figure out why they run out of money so quick or why, why the fans don't love them for a long time. The reason the fans don't stick with rap for as long as they do with other genres is because the shit is not timeless. The reason it's not timeless is because it's not relatable. So just imagine all the stuff that somebody in 94 was telling, hey, yo, I'm doing this better than you. And then in, and then in 2005, they li- somebody going to listen back to that like, mm, no, nah, I'm not with that. <laughs> Same thing about something going on in 2004 and then somebody listening again in 2014. They're going to say, nah, you sound crazy, bro. I'm not rocking with that. You know what I'm saying? I'm not about to drop down and get my eagle on. It's not happening. You know, it's just not, it's, it, rap does not translate. It doesn't transcend eras. It doesn't transcend time because 
It's the opposite of timeless. It's cheap. We need value in production and rap. That's all I wanted to say, man. And like I said, I'm a major rap fan. But we need some we need some production value, man. This is why the best songs ever and hit like just period. Best songs period ever don't really come from rap. That's why most of the number one songs in the country never really come from rap. That's why it's such a big thing when a rap song goes number one. It's because it's just like it's just not common. We just don't put enough into it. All right, y'all. Thank y'all for listening, man. I gave y'all a nice little chunk of, uh, you know, you just gave me some chunk of your life, you know, by listening to it. Hopefully, my rant about production doesn't make y'all never come back and listen again. Um, Next week, man, I'm trying to do an interview with my guy, 7 a.m. He just put out a new album, man. I love the album, you know. Yo, I'm trying to... You can you can go hear that um album on on title and iTunes and all that stuff. His name is Seven, like the number Seven A M. The album is called Sober S O B E R. He's a singer, so yo y'all go check that out, man. Um, also, all right, I, I'll save this for later. But yeah, go check out Seven's album. Get at me later, man. Thanks for listening. Beyonce, I was hurt. I went down seven years. On behalf of your hey nigga, don't throw no shit while I'm talking. Oh, oh my God, I am putting my career, my life, my public well standing at risk when I talk to y'all like this. This is a moment in the matrix, bro. The vibes is back. The vibes about this tonight. Beyonce, I was hurt. Because I heard that you said you wouldn't perform unless you won video of the year over me and over how I play. In my opinion, now don't go trying to diss Beyonce. She is great. Taylor Swift is great. We are all great people. We are all equal. But sometimes we be playing the politics too much and forgetting who we are just to win. Fuck winning. Fuck looking cool. Fuck looking cool. Fuck being cool. Fuck all that, bro. I've been sitting here to give y'all my truth, even at the risk of my own life. Even at the risk of my own success, my own career, I've been sitting here to give y'all the truth. Jay-Z, call me, bro. You still ain't called me. Jay-Z, call me. Hey, bro, Jay-Z, I know you got killers. Please don't send them at my head. Just call me. Talk to me like a man. The same as everybody here. I ain't above, below, none of y'all. We all equal. We all equal. These is the vibes, bruh.